1: We are back with part two. Welcome in to the Unidentified Alien podcast. It's Steven Diener right here. Karen Curtis over there. And we're excited because I ho- we're excited and we hope you're excited because we kind of left you on a cliffhanger last time talking about the secrets of the moon and we are back to finish things off.
2: Yeah, the moon. Wow. In fact, today, what timing, Stephen. Yes. We had our first most total lunar eclipse. That's in right. In 600 years.
1: That was really cool, wasn't it?
2: It was the first almost total eclipse. Right. And it was visible today across the Midwest. That's why we didn't see it. 99 <laughs> percent of the moon was going to fall behind the earth's shadow it did and it turned red and it went on for a long time it started at 1 a.m the peak was at 4 a.m and then it finished about seven and it was the longest it was a very long time um and the partial lunar eclipse will occur more frequently but this total eclipse won't be until another one 2669
1: Oh okay. Well, we'll still be doing UAP then. So that's yeah. fine. You can look for We'll be in episode 24,000 at that go. point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, that was uh yeah, unfortunately, you know, here in South Florida, we didn't get to see it. It was very cloudy. Um, and well, yeah, we didn't have that great of a view, but we saw pictures and it looked nice. It's cool though when you, you talk about something historic like that, you know, it hasn't happened since basically the Renaissance to have a lunar eclipse for the you know, that long of a duration. <laughs> So that was, uh, you know, yeah. cool for everybody who got to see it, right? Well, the
2: Midwest enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, twenty six exactly. sixty nine.
1: Hmm. See what's going on by then. Thirty nine. Then. Oh, good. Okay. Well, happy birthday in advance. Thank you. So, okay, diving right back into this, Karen. You know, last time we talked about uh, Ingo Swan right. and his fantastical stories about remote viewing and all the you know crazy things he saw and experienced with guys named Axel Rod
2: on the moon
1: on the moon and he w-
2: he like mentally went to the moon
1: that's right with uh, his his remote viewing techniques so we we covered all that extensively last time on episode 21 which as we always say you can always check out on 850wftl.com or wherever you get your podcast and catch up on all the episodes. You can binge listen to UAP. It's always fun. Exactly. Yes. Um so but getting back into it now, somebody that we talked about um in passing in the previous episode was Carl Wolf. So, who is Carl Wolf, Karen?
2: Well, Carl Wolf, he shot to fame in 2001 and he made a startling claim. <laughs> That NASA was covering up evidence of artificial structures on the dark side of the moon. So if you listen to our last episode, we talked about the fact that the moon stays one side facing the Earth, mm-hmm. the same side at all times. That's right. It never, it doesn't spin around so you see the whole moon. You only see one side. So then there's a dark side. Well, there's really all sides of the moon, I guess, are dark. I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, He's saying that there's artificial structures on the side that we can't see. And he had a top-secret clearance, some sort of a crypto clearance. Mm -hmm. And he worked with the Tactical Air Command at Langley Air Force Base. And he describes what he saw.
0: In mid-1965, I was loaned to the Lunar Orbiter Project at NASA on Langley Field. Uh, Dr. Colley was in charge of that project. They had problems with a piece of... um, electronic equipment that was bottlenecking their production of photographs. I went to the facility, and when I walked into the facility, there were scientists from all over the world. I was stunned, actually, to see people at a NASA project uh, from all over the world. It didn't make any sense to me initially. Um, I was taken into the laboratory where the equipment was malfunctioning. I was interested in how the whole process functioned how the data got from the lunar orbiter to the laboratory, asked the young man if he described the process to me. He did. About 30 minutes into the process, he said to me, "Um, in a very distressed way, um, by the way, we've discovered a base on the backside of the moon. Uh And then he proceeded to put photographs down in front of me. And clearly in these photographs were structures, uh, mushroom-shaped buildings, spherical buildings, and towers and at at that point I was very concerned because I knew we were working on compartmentalized security he had breached security and I was actually frightened at that moment And I did not question him any further. And a few moments later, someone did come into the room. I worked there for three more days, and I remember going home and naively thinking, I can't wait to hear about this on the evening news. (laughs) And here it is more than 30 years later, and I hope we hear about it tonight. And I will testify under oath before Congress that what I'm saying is the truth.
1: So a few things from that, Karen. Um, Number one. Just let me get this out of the way. It sounds like that Carl Wolf had that interview on the moon. <laughs> the way- yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, well, it's not our fault. That was kind of the way the audio came out. So That, that was a video from the 90s, believe it or not. Um, so if you do the math, he said it's been 30 years. That happened in 1966 when he saw that picture. But yeah, they had like this conference and he was in like this little conference hall. So the audio wasn't the best on that, but hopefully you got the point. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story that he tells. And why is it something that we should pay attention to? Because he's credible. We always try to get credible witnesses, right? Right. People who worked in the military or knew somebody in the military or pilots, whatever. This is a guy, it's not disputed. It's an absolute fact of record that he was in the Air Force. He was a a sergeant for the Air Force for years and years and years. Had top secret, what they call crypto clearance. We're not talking cryptocurrency. He was way before that. That just means like super, super secret top clearance. And a guy that's, you know, worked for the NSA. So, yes, he's very credible. And so the question becomes, is he making the whole thing up just to try to get notoriety and sell books back in the day when he was telling these stories? Or is he trying to really get the word out there? Was he trying to just inform people of what he saw, which was those pictures, which, by the way, if you go back to 850wftl.com on the UAP blog, you search UAP on there or go to podcasts and you'll see UAP, we have pictures of those structures that Carl Wolf is talking about on the previous episode, on episode right. 21 blog. You can see some of the structures, what looks like a satellite or different buildings. It does,
2: it looks like a satellite dish. It
1: does. With it the, the
2: things sticking up out of the middle.
1: It's very strange. So you can see that on the previous blog from episode 21, some of the uh, get an idea of what he saw. But again, somebody credible and somebody who is either just completely making it up or just wanted to inform people.
2: He said he would testify before Congress, he did. so he really believed what he saw. Unless the guy like said, Yeah, there's a base on the moon, then he walked out and his friends were out there, they're high five and yeah, I told him there's a base on the moon. Right,
1: doctor photo. <laughs> but it's you know, look, we try to we, we try to give all of the scenarios here. <laughs> he bought it. He bought it, what a bum. So we, we try we try to give all the scenarios that may be not very, you know, uh, a plausible scenario, but you never know. Hey. And that's what we always do. We give you the story and you make up your mind. And this is a guy who again was in the spot. Worked with the NSA, yeah, and says that someone, you know, the way he described him, I've heard a couple of different interviews with Carl Wolf, and the way he described this guy that he worked with was just lonely. He wanted somebody to talk to, and he said that that's why I felt like he just came to me. He wanted to get this off his chest because he couldn't tell anybody. And
2: plus, he said it scared him. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting admission.
1: You know, he's he he mentioned that. Well, when this guy shows me the thing and he's like, we got bases on the moon. He goes, who has bases on the moon? Who do you, who's are they? What are you talking about? This is 1966. We're talking baseball? And, right. <laughs> you know, and something that we mentioned last time, too, was why don't we have high resolution pictures of the moon? Right. They, they had this this technology where they could take pictures of the dark side of the moon back 55 years ago. Right. In 1966
0: what was really interesting
1: is I'm not sure what the
0: resolution on those photographs were but I know that we could discern from the satellite photography we were doing at our installation you could read the license number off a a car at that point in time so I know we had that level of technology available whether or not it was on that lunar orbiter I don't know this also always brings to question in my mind, why we're getting so, such low resolution on photographs that we receive from Mars and any of these other missions, the resolution of these photographs is very low, when we've had, since the early 60s, a capability of much higher resolution. So I'm not sure what that's
1: all about.
2: What does that mean? I, I, don't, I don't know why they don't have crystal clear photos from
1: the moon and from Mars, from the rover. Well, that's the question, right? I mean, I'm sure they have them. We just haven't seen them. So well, why? we
2: have beautiful yeah. We have beautiful photos from, what was the... The,
1: the Mars rover?
2: No, the Jupiter probe.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
2: Gorgeous shots.
1: Yeah. And so just... And the uh, Hubble
2: Space Telescope gives yeah. us gorgeous high-res pictures.
1: So you and, and that's in deep space. You're telling me we can't get a picture of the moon? Yeah. In 2021? Okay. Uh, if the, you say these, so.
2: <laughs> you know, things that look like a base. I don't know.
1: What what don't they want us to see? I mean, that's that's ju- just asking an innocent question. You know? That's
2: right. Um, also, some weird stuff happened during the Apollo missions.
1: Oh, yes. So, yes, the Apollo missions, especially with Apollo 11. But real quick, if you're wondering what happened to Carl Wolf, you know, oh, is, yeah, is, yeah. is he still around? Well, the answer is no. Um, again, you're talking about a guy who was, in essence, disclosing top secret information, even though his, the, the uh, what do you want to say, the time had passed, you know, time enough had passed to where he could talk about it, Right. The moratorium was over on it because he took his position seriously. He didn't want to break any rules, but the time was up. So he's like, all right, well, I I can talk about this now. Either somebody wanted him to stop talking or this was really an accident because in October of 2018, Carl Wolf was killed (gasps) No, while riding his bicycle in New York by a tractor trailer run over. And he was at the age of 74. So I don't know if, again, could have just been an absolute tragic accident rest in peace or somebody got tired of him talking it i don't reminds know
2: reminds me of phil with the piano uh, piano wire
1: oh phil schneider from yeah. our dulce base wars episode yeah. you got to check that one out
2: right i mean it could have happened and you've said that there's no uh charges have been filed against the driver
1: no and, no charges yeah. and the
2: cops that did probe it that's so interesting
1: so again make up your mind on that one it could have been a terrible accident or it couldn't have been. Who knows? But all I know is that Carl Wolf went into great detail during his time on many different interviews talking about what he saw from those pictures, structures on the dark side of the moon, irrefutable to him. He knows what he saw, and he was willing to tell people about it and testify in front of con- Congress, which he never got that opportunity.
2: That's right. Uh, moving on then to the Apollo missions, y- you know, I'm sure they see all kinds of stuff when they're out there in space, mm-hmm. but they're really, they're told not to talk about it.
1: That's correct. And so that's according to actually different astronauts throughout the you know space program history. They've always been told not to say anything if they see anything because they don't want to alarm people.
2: While they're up there because their transmissions are being monitored.
1: That's correct. And the transmissions, Karen, uh, were being monitored, especially during the flight of Apollo 11, which we'll focus on here.
2: Oh, yeah. That was, what, July 16th,
1: 1969? That's the one. You know, uh, Collins and Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they're all all the guys that go up there. They're going to go walk on the moon. Historic, of course, um, uh, happening that everybody watched around the world right. during that time. Right. But people were listening, and one of the things that always caught people off guard were, The communication kind of broke down for a couple minutes. So there's always been wild conspiracy theories about what happened there. Well, some theories say that Neil Armstrong switched over to the medical channel, which was not going to be broadcast Uh. on TV and around the world and on radio. And when he went over to the medical channel, he went ahead and was describing what they saw on the moon, which were, as Carl Wolf put it, bases, (gasps) structures. And, And according to the stories... Neil Armstrong even went in and talked about how the aliens were watching them, that there were giant ships, and they were observing them on the moon. I, I'm saying the aliens were observing Neil Armstrong and the team on the moon, and basically they were freaked out and didn't know what to do.
2: Yeah, I don't know. You said some ham operators were able to tap into the conversation?
1: That There's been reports, and I, when I tell you that I looked for hours to try to find the audio of what the ham uh, ham Radio operators picked up. It's nowhere to be found. Now that can be one of two things: one, it doesn't exist, or number two, it did exist and you can't find it. Right. But the stories go that these ham radio operators were listening independently and heard those transmissions and you know wrote down what Neil Armstrong was saying. And well, would you would you like me to read what yes, supposedly they said? Yes, I would like to
2: get the transcript, please. Okay. It's a what? It was a leak from a close to the top. Person,
1: Right. So apparently this this information, like I say, came from somebody who was involved with with the mission, supposedly, and was willing to go ahead and give this information to uh, pretty much anybody who would be listening. Um, Well, here's what they said. And I have to read it again because uh, there's there's no audio. But this is from the author named Sam Pepper. Um, and he said he gave us a version of what they call the top secret tape transcript from a leak close to the top. So they never gave the name of the person who supposedly gave this leak. Okay. Okay. Here's the transcript. Ready? Yes. What was it? What the hell was it? That's all I want to know. Ooh. And this is Neil Armstrong, by the way. These, and then it just, it was garbled that wasn't able to pick up. Babies were huge, sir. They were enormous. And then I, I think this is Houston saying, no, no, that's just field distortion. And then Neil Armstrong comes back and says, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe it.
2: Whoa.
1: And then Houston's going, what What the hell what? is going on? What's the matter with you guys? And then they respond, they're here. <gasps> no. Un- under the surface. And then the transmission comes back from Houston asking, what's there? A malfunction. Mission Control calling Apollo 11. Roger, we're here. Neil Armstrong goes on, all three of us, but we found some visitors. No way. This is what it says. Yeah, they've been here for quite a while, judging by the installations. (gasps) Mission Control responds, repeat last message. Obviously, they're kind of uh, (laughs) startled by that. uh... Neil Armstrong responds to them, I'm telling you, there are other spacecraft out there. They're lined up in ranks on the far side of the crater's edge. Repeat, repeat, let's get that orbit scan and head home. Wow. (laughs) Wow.
2: (laughs) <laughs> they must have been going, what the heck?
1: And Neil Armstrong goes on to say that his hands are shaking so bad. Um, They're trying to film it. He says, the damn cameras were clicking away from up here. Did you did you fellows get anything? Houston <sighs> asks them. Uh, he says, had no film left by the time. Then oh. some garbled. Uh, three shots of the saucers or whatever they were may have fogged the film. Mission Control. This is Mission Control talking now to Neil Armstrong. Are you underway? Repeat. Are you underway? Are you underway? What's this uproar about UFOs over there? Huh. They come back, they're set up down there, they're on the moon watching us. Buzz Aldrin uh, starts talking about seeing a UFO on their way to the moon, which we'll have here in just a minute as well. But that is, um, yeah, supposedly the, the supposed transcript from the missing two minutes that, as theories go, they switched over to the medical channel to. Report that, so Neil Armstrong could report that report to uh, Mission Mission Control in Houston.
2: Yeah, here's Buzz Aldrin. As you said, um, he's talking about seeing a UFO on their way to the moon. That's right.
1: This is this is real audio. This is really him talking about. It. So could this corroborate this, you know, hidden transcript?
2: Here's Buzz. Do you have any idea where the, uh, is, where the is, with is? Am I?
3: Mike decided he thought he could see it in the telescope, and he was able to do that. And when when it was in one position, it had a series of ellipses. But when you made it real sharp, it was sort of L-shaped. That didn't tell us very much. Now, obviously, the three of us were not going to blurt out, hey, Houston, we got something moving alongside of us, and uh, we don't know what it is. You know, can you tell us what it is? We weren't about to do that because uh, we know that uh, the, those transmissions would be heard by all sorts of people and uh, uh, who knows what somebody would have demanded that we uh, turn back because of aliens or whatever the reason is. So we, we didn't do that but we did uh, decide we, we just cautiously ask uh, Houston where how far away was the S4B? Apollo 11, Houston, the S4B is about 6,000 nautical miles from you now. And a few moments later, why they came back and said something like it was 6,000 miles away because of the maneuver. So we, we really didn't think we were looking at Something that far away, so we decided uh, that after a while of watching it, uh, we, it was time to go to sleep and not to talk about it anymore until we came back in, in debriefing.
1: Man, it's so scary, chilling, isn't it? I mean, that is. is straight from the mouth from the living legend, American yes. hero Buzz Aldrin. It's for him to come out and say, and that's you know, it's a little bit of an older interview, maybe from about ten years ago, but that doesn't discredit the story. No. That's something that. Look, here's what happened. We're up in space. We're on our way to the moon. We see something that we can't explain. So a literal UFO, an unidentified flying object, could be anything. But in the literal sense, they saw a UFO on the way to the moon. And their question was, in the the audio that you heard there, that was Michael Collins, who said, um, how far is the S-4B away? Now, the S-4B was, I think, one of their boosters.
2: Yeah, they said 6,000 miles away. That's an awfully far...
1: Exactly. And it was smart. It made no sense. I mean, it was, you know, quick thinking on the feet to think, OK, well, we can't like Buzz Aldrin saying there. We can't say, hey, what are we seeing out here? It was just kind of code. It was a code to say, I see. How far is this away? Right. We're just kind of wondering.
2: And then not the UFO. You know, they didn't say UFO. They just said the what the booster. But yeah. This reconfirms what you're saying about that was on the two minutes that are missing that may have been on the medical channel. Here's Buzz talking about, they're watching us.
3: I saw this illumination that was moving with respect to the stars. We were smart enough to not say, Houston, there's a light out there that's following us. So technically, it becomes an unidentified flying object. While Neil and Buzz were on the lunar surface, Neil switched to the, the medical channel and spoke directly with the chief medical officer, saying,
1: they're here, they're parked on the side of the crater, they're watching us. <laughs> Some dramatic effect there at the end, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, you very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. It's, it matches what we're saying. That's from the mouth of Buzz Aldrin there talking about they saw these lights. They weren't going to say anything. Walter Cronkite was listening. The world was listening. Right. Everybody was hanging on every single one of their words. So what are they going to say? I mean, and that's why supposedly, according to the stories, once they got back, these bootleg versions, if you will, of the real versions of these tapes with the lost two minutes surfaced supposedly and gave us those transcripts that I just read of Neil Armstrong talking to Michigan's Control about what they saw. And that's what people didn't hear when, again, the story goes, you know, they switched over to the medical channel. Now, full disclosure, Karen, people will say that this entire story is absolute false and made up, that they never switched to the medical channel, that there is no missing audio, all these different things. I mean, they they cut out. You know what I mean? They did cut out at some point, so you can't refute that. You make up your own mind, but you hear Buzz Aldrin there. It's not like we're making it up. He's talking about seeing something he couldn't explain. That's right. So maybe that does go to this entire story that they did switch over and, and they reported what they saw on the moon, which were aliens and spacecraft sitting there watching them. It's, it's possible. Because why did they all of a sudden stop going to the moon? I mean, we did what? Six more missions? Yeah. And then we haven't gone back to the moon in 50 years? We were talking about going back in the next few years?
2: They're like, Oh, us just bring, bring back a few rocks. That'll satisfy yeah, them. Yeah,
1: that's all right. So look, a lot of questions... That, uh, in in my estimation... I'm an astronaut, not
2: a photographer.
1: (laughs) Very strange.
2: Well, let's finish up with this hollow moon theory, because I don't know if I believe it or not, but there's a way to test it to see what the moon is made out of, if it's got like a molten core like the Earth, or if it's hollow as a bell, or what?
1: This is a strange one. So, I mean, it's funny, because we always say that we want to go from... Uh, you know, credible witnesses and credible accounts. This one, you have to kind of expand your imagination a little bit. And we go from Buzz Aldrin talking about all these amazing things to, well, theories that the moon might be hollow. Maybe you've heard of this. Maybe you haven't. But just keep an open mind here, okay? Please.
2: In fact, uh, Apollo 12 may have inadvertently discovered that the moon is hollow.
1: Yeah, listen to this.
2: Yeah.
3: Scientists said, let's separate the lunar module and have it impact the moon just at the right distance away from this seismometer that they put there. And we'll measure how it vibrates. And that'll tell us what's going on in the center of the moon.
2: The impact created a 30-foot crater and a moonquake.
3: When they saw them on the seismic record, it was ringing like a bell. It just wouldn't stop.
0: This of course set off a search to try to find an explanation for what this big difference between what we see on Earth, where the earthquakes only last for a few minutes, and on the moon where they go on uh, for hours and hours.
3: Scientists who were willing to think outside the box said, hey,
1: that's hollow. We have a hollow moon. So again, <laughs> whoa! I know, I mean, how hollow is it? But they have to, the question became, well, why is it having this reaction? Right? Right. I mean, again, we're just going to look at the facts here. The fact is on Apollo 12, they wanted to do an experiment. They wanted to see what type of reaction the moon would have by dropping, you know, a heavy object on there. So they dropped one of the boosters they weren't well, they going to need. slammed
2: into it at several thousand miles
1: an hour. Exactly. So they figured, all right, let's see how this affects the moon. Let's look at how the crater forms and this and that. <laughs> What they weren't expecting to find, which you heard there in the audio, is it reverberated.
2: Right. And it didn't stop. It just kept ringing, ring a ding a ding But what could have caused it? Here's one mm, hypothesis. When you have an
3: earthquake, the water in the Earth absorbs that signal very quickly like shock absorbers.
0: But on the moon, there's much less water on the surface and then also very little water inside the
1: interior of the moon.
2: Without the water, makes it keep on ringing. Ring a dingy dingy.
1: So, is it because of the lack of water? There's nothing to absorb the shock wave? Or, or is it like
2: a bell? Is it ex- hollow?
1: Exactly. Is it that bell effect where if you hit a you know, bell, a gong, whatever, you're going to have that reverberation because there's nothing inside to absorb the shock wave? So, right. whether that means there's no water inside the moon, well, we know there isn't, but very little, like they said, or whether that means there's just not enough mass inside the moon and it's somewhat hollow they 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 really can't give a solid answer as to why the moon reacted the way it did during that that day there's so
2: many weird secrets about the moon
1: there it's really, are. really
2: fascinating We wouldn't be here
1: without it. That's also true. So thank you, Moon. Yay, thank you, Moon. (laughs) We can say that for sure, is thank you, Moon. And I would say the most fascinating to me, we can talk about the pictures and the stories and all that, but when I hear Buzz Aldrin talk about things they can't explain that they saw on the way there, it really makes you wonder, does that transcript from the so-called missing two minutes, could it be real?
2: And that they had to talk in code.
1: Right. You know,
2: it's all plausible. You have to admit.
1: I mean, and they did ask, to be fair, Michael Collins did ask in code, "Hey, uh, where's the booster at?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, because they were seeing something that that they couldn't explain. Speaking
2: of which, yes, some guy that I really, really admire. We're going to talk about next week, Edgar Allan Poe.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> although we are Poe fans. <laughs> Edgar Casey, Edgar Casey, love him. We both. He's a have, psychic, right? And he also is the father of remote viewing. And I'm glad you say that, Karen, because over the past couple of weeks in the in this two part series on the moon, we've been talking about Ingo Swann and how they call him the father of remote viewing. And that's because he's the first one to really institute it as far as you know universities and government wise and things like that. They
2: paid him to travel around with his brain. They sure
1: did, and paid him well, right. Secretly. Um, but the real, in my opinion, the real modern father of remote viewing was Edgar Casey, because you're talking about somebody who had these experiences in the early 20th century, decades before Ingo Swann. So, he's
2: one of the, like, forget about Nostradamus, he's one of the most accurate predictors of the future that has ever been documented
1: there is an entire library devoted to him and his predictions and things that he saw he's an incredible incredible story it's somebody that you and i have been fascinated by for years he predicted that we were going to do this podcast. He did. He actually envisioned this entire thing right now. So I'm looking forward to talking about Edgar Casey next time. We're really, we're, I think we might end up, we'll see, maybe we'll throw in some other things, but we might end up devoting the entire episode Why not? to Edgar Casey uh, next time around on UAP. Love it. But until then, make sure you keep on checking us out, Apple, Spotify, 850WFTL.com, and Rate us with five extraterrestrial stars and Please. download and subscribe and hopefully you keep enjoying the show. Yes, and we'll thanks be, for listening. Yes, we'll be back again next time. Karen Curtis there, Stephen Dean over here. Happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Enjoy yourselves and we'll talk to you again next time. Couple couple.